This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, that'll give us some perspective on uh, resolutions and which ones to keep and which ones to keep working at. Uh, I want to kind of set the stage for whether you're thinking of resolutions or um, just seeing your life change this year. I want to give some perspective from a place called uh, Psalm 90. So uh, I want to take a look at it with you. And, uh, and I've put some notes in your programs because I want to really do two things. First of all, I want to help us to gain some of the perspective that uh, the writer here gives us. And then I want to see what strategies does he recommend for moving ahead in the new year. By the way, uh, Psalm 90 um, is a psalm that is written by Moses. Uh, a lot of the psalms, of course, were written by David and some of his worship leaders, but this one was written by Moses. And we're not sure exactly when in his life he wrote this, although a lot of people think he wrote this uh, around the events that occur in Numbers chapter 20. I'll let you look at that later on your own. But in Numbers chapter 20, Moses has been leading the people of Israel for 38 years. They, they've been wasting time because of earlier disobedience. They've been wasting time in the desert, and they haven't gone into the promised land yet. Moses' life is kind of uh, winding down. And in this chapter, his, he loses his brother Aaron, who dies, and he loses his sister Miriam, who dies. And also, he commits a great sin in his leadership style by disobeying God and the way he reacts to the people when they get grumpy. And because of that, God punishes him for his sin. So that's the context probably of Moses' life as he works this through. So let's just take a look at a little bit of Psalm 90 uh, together. First of all, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you had brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So the place that uh, Moses begins helping us think through and gain perspective is that, you know, that God is God. And God is still God this year. I checked. Um, I, I asked him about that. And he's still in control in 2017, just like he was in 2016. And the other exciting thing is that he's no less able to do what he's ever done this year as before. So he's always in control and that means his power is undiminished. We get older and we grow weary and, and, uh, and have our limitations. God knows none of that. He's unlimited in his power this year as well as last year. He still loves us just as much as he ever did. And he never makes mistakes and he won't make any mistakes in 2017, I'm convinced. So that's, that's the first place to get some perspective is uh, what, who is God and what is he going to do? That's why I love that last uh, song that we did with Ben, is that uh, it reminds us the place we start as we get ready for what he's going to do for us in the new year is to remember what he's done in the past and who he continues to be. So that's the place it begins. And he's been our God through the generations, which I guess at some level means that the God who was the God in my parents' generation or my grandparents' generation continues to be the God of my generation and the generations after me. That's interesting. I have to see generations now because I'm old enough that there are more than one generation after me. And I was thinking that through because I realized here at Crossroads we have kind of a unique situation in that we have a, a number of generations represented. Now, this, this generation is kind of um, 
There aren't many of them left. There's just a few of what they call the GI generation. Because this is the generation that uh, carried the brunt of World War II and World War I. These are the people who sacrificed. Tom Brokaw, you may remember, in a famous book, called them the greatest generation. Others have called them the swing generation, because that was their music of their day. But that was, that was a generation that, that learned to sacrifice and to see God at work in their life, in their generation. There's still some of them around and sometimes are here in our services. Then there's what's called the silent generation. We don't talk about them much, I think for obvious reasons. They're, they're kind of, they're, they're silent. And it's because this is the generation that was too young to serve in World War II, but was too old for the summer of love in the 60s. You know, they're kind of somewhere in between. Everybody says they kind of learned to be conformists in a way. And their motto and their understanding of how to get along in life was, if you follow the rules, keep your nose clean, you'll be a success and good things will happen. So that's who they are. And we have silent generation people here with us. Then there was the baby boomers. Those, those wretched people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, be proud of you're one of them. Um, we're called baby boomers because after the Second World War, there was a boom in the baby birth rate, obviously, and it really kind of spiked, and that's who we are. Dads and moms were coming home from the war and starting families, moving it, pushing out into the suburbs. Our own family moved out of the city and into the suburbs in those, in those baby boom years. A lot of good things were happening. Uh, this was post-World War II, and... There's a lot of excitement and enthusiasm about finally being done with the war and moving ahead with whatever was coming. So we have our own perspective on life even to this day. Then came Generation X. This is the generation of, of some of my kids and, uh, and, and some of yours too and some represented here. Things got really, started to get really complicated for Generation X. They, you know, they saw the uh, AIDS epidemic uh, come along, uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the winding down of the Cold War collapse of the Soviet Union as we knew it back then. And uh, they called them Generation X because they said that they defied definition. They didn't want to be defined as any one thing. So we called them Generation X. Then along came the Millennials. That's you wonderful people born roughly between 80 and 2000. We got a bunch of them here. Uh, I'm excited about the uh, Millennials. They're, they're a cool bunch. They saw the rise of the internet in their day. Um, the war on terror after uh, 2001, 9-11, became a really real part of their life, and, and that's kind of the lens through which they see much of what's going on in the world and all of the turmoil that's coming along. Um, some people have analyzed them as being entitled and narcissistic. That's always the, uh, the rap on the millennials. That's not necessarily true, but as a group, that's sometimes what is said. We got some millennials that do cool things here, and I'm really... Excited about that. I, I really enjoyed last week. Last week we had uh, Jen and Ange and uh, Nick leading our service. And I just thought that was really cool, you know, that these guys are up there and they're, they're the ones who are really making a difference uh, in their generation. Uh, also, Ben. I'm just I'm thrilled every day, Sunday when I come and, and Ben's leading us in worship. I just think that's exciting. So we have the, the millennials are here. And then coming along then are what they call Generation Z. I don't know what happens after this. I'm really not sure, but that's... No, that's really what they call it. I looked it up. That's a, so these, these are my grandkids and, and some, some others that are here, maybe in some of the other rooms or in Axis uh, right now. Um, generally speaking, they're uh, individualistic, very tech-dependent, because that's how they've grown up in their world. And so... Uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad for them, because if I need any help with my cell phone or my iPad, these are the people I go to to help me, right? Because they know what's going on, you yeah. 
it occurred to me that, that the God who is our dwelling place in all generations is not only holds that place because year after year, generation after generation, he has been the faithful God, but also because in a setting like ours, in a church like Crossroads, where we have, I think, just about all these generations represented on any given weekend, um, he's able to minister to all of us when we gather together. And we, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to have like separate seating sections. Okay, millennials over here, baby boomers here, Xers over here. We don't have to do that because God is able to minister to us because he knows how to minister to us and reach us in our generation and to bring us together. The song talked about learning to become family. And I think that's one of the things that God, who is our dwelling place in all generations, will help us with is to teach us how to become family so that he can minister to us as a group, a diverse group even generationally. He then, uh, Moses then goes on to kind of give some perspective on what life is like, no matter which of these generations you're in. So he says, You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men, and a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death, they are like the new grass of the morning. Though it is morning, it springs up new. By evening, it is dry and withered. So basically, what he's saying is, life is short. So that's uh, Moses' first observation. Moses, at this point, is uh, um, well up in age, uh, probably over 100. And, but as he looks back, he goes, man, it was a lot of years. A lot of things have happened. But man, it just, it just seems like it's so short. And now my brother's gone, my sister's gone, and now I alone am going to be leading the people. And that's probably what was on his mind when he got a little rambunctious in his leadership. But he realizes that life is short. Now, I don't want to dwell on that because I want to kind of move on to some of his life strategies. But that, that is a reality. I mean, enjoy life. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a negative person that way. A lot of people get real negative about the way things are and how awful things are in, in our day and age. I just think, you know, this is where God put us in these times, in these circumstances, in this culture, and he's given us the opportunity to minister here. Whatever generation we're from, we need to understand all the other groups, work together with them to serve the God for his glory in the day in which we live. So I'm not real negative about the life is short thing, but I can tell you, it really is. You know, as I look back, I mean, I, I see some of you and your kids, and it's just really cool. And I, Well, we have grandkids to help us compensate for a little bit, but uh, life is short. I mean, I can remember when my kids were running around the church and doing things and climbing under pews and all kinds of other stuff when we were younger. So I really identify that. Enjoy it. Just enjoy every precious moment that you have in the place in life where you are now because it just kind of moves along quickly. And you'll realize that someday. But that doesn't mean it's a problem. Just enjoy life right the, right the way it is. And, and, uh, but understand that life is short. The other thing Moses points out is this. He says, not only is life short, and we just kind of go away like the grass of the morning, but we are consumed by your anger, Lord, and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. Moses knew all so well, this point too, that my sin is serious. My sin you know, really is a problem. And I think it's a problem for a couple reasons. Not only because it... Um, breaks God's plan for my life and, and goes against his commandments. But also because he has something good in mind for my life as I follow him, as my Savior and Lord. 
and I interfere with that. Life is short enough, but my sin kind of makes it shorter by wrecking little pieces of it. Because sometimes there are some sins that take a long time to recover from and a long time to climb back in from. And uh, Moses wants us to remember that sin is serious. Now, if we do sin, there is forgiveness, there's grace. He talks about that later in this psalm. But the sin is a serious problem, and don't take sin lightly in any situation, whether it's January 1st or December 31st. Sin is a problem, and it gets in the way of our enjoying life being truly blessed and encouraged. He also says this, All our days pass away under your wrath, and we finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Life is tough. Not only is it short, but because of the problem of sin, it can really be tough. Now, um, I guess life is tough partly because we live in a fallen world. You all know that. Back, looking back in the early chapters of Genesis, uh, God put us in a perfect place that he had created. Adam and Eve sinned against their creator and plunged us into fallenness. And all of creation is still fallen. It's still pretty beautiful and neat, but it's not entirely what God had intended. But one day he'll restore it all. But in the meantime, life is tough because we live in a fallen world. He warned Adam about that. Remember back in Genesis, he said, because of your sin and because of the fallenness of your condition, uh, there's going to be weeds that you've got to get out of the garden now, and there's going to be thorns that will be a problem. So life will just be tough because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes life is tough because I make it harder than it has to be by my sin and disobedience. So sometimes I make life harder than it really needs to be. And sometimes life is tough because the people around me are sinners and they make life tougher than it has to be for me. So well, whatever the reason, the reality is life can be tough. And sometimes just the stuff of life, if you think through your generations, you know, when you were, uh, when you were a teenager, you were all worried about your self-esteem and facial acne and were you in the cool group and what did other people think of you? And there's all those other things that go on to make life tough. And uh, when you get to be a, an adult, you realize there's all these other responsibilities you have. So life can be tough. So Moses gives us some good perspective here. Life is short. Sin is a serious problem, so watch out for it. And also, life is tough. But then he gets into what I call some good strategies for living. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is great as the fear that is due you. So teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So he says we need to start to learn to live with wisdom. When he says uh, teach us to number our days, he isn't just talking about figuring out how many of them there are. Somebody's figuring that out for you, by the way. I have uh, one... I have this uh, one IRA, it's an inherited IRA, and, and so I have, I'm required to take uh, uh, minimum distributions from it on an annual basis. Okay? And I, I was wondering how they determined what my required minimum distribution is. And I found out what they do is there are these actuary tables they go to, and they guess at my age, how long do they expect me to live, and then they divide that into the amount that's remaining, and that's how much you get. So I'm always distressed when it's a bigger number. 
Because I like getting more money, but that means they think I'm getting closer to the end. So it's kind of a good news, bad news. That's just sad, really. Now, but when Moses says that I need to learn to live with wisdom regarding my days and counting them, he's not talking about that. What he's saying is each day is a special blessing. So learn how to live that day with wisdom. Today's January 1st, and I think you guys did a pretty good job making wise decisions about today because you decided to come here and be with us and worship God with us. And for some of you who are new, get to meet some new people. So that's, that's kind of a good decision. I hope tomorrow we start making good decisions too. Each day we need to learn to live with wisdom. Another way of saying it maybe is that we make every day count or develop kind of a strategy of how we're going to live. We all do this. I mean, every day when you get up, you make, a de- you make a decision, whether it's a big decision or a lot of small decisions, like our little friend, the girl, said, uh, that determine what that day will be like. So you decide what's important to you that day, and you make a lot of other decisions to make that happen. Moses is suggesting that we really need to start getting in the better habit in this new year of making decisions that are wise about what we're going to do with today because all the other decisions we make will pursue that goal. Now, there are some days when just kind of sitting around hanging out isn't a bad thing. We all need uh, what we call, uh, Denise and I call them veg days because we just kind of sit like you know, vegetables and do, n- do not much of anything. And, and those days can be good. Just don't want to string too many of those together and then you become lazy and that's another problem. But know what you're going to do today and how you're going to accomplish his will, how you're going to live for him. Begin to get the strategy of learning how to make every day count. And sometimes we need to understand that if I have a goal, and this is what I'm heading for today or tomorrow, that it may mean I'll need to say no to some other possibilities in order to say yes to something that's better as the Lord leads. So this is tricky business, and I'm interested in seeing how we think this through in this new series about going through doors. Because uh, when you go through one door, that means you didn't go through this door. So we need to make key decisions and understand that we're following the Lord's leading as we move through doors, because strategically, moving through this door means I don't go through a couple of other doors, and I go through by faith to live for God as I move through that new door into that new adventure. So make every day count, and and be strategic in the way you think about that. Um, a lot of it comes, I think, from just our regular reading of God's Word. That's one of the ways we communicate with Him, and we begin to learn what it is He wants me to do that day, and just decide how He's going to lead us. Another thing He says is this, Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. I take from this that Moses wants me to learn how to give attention to my spiritual life. One of the things that we need to really be focused on in any year is our spiritual life. I think what this is going to mean for us is that we set out in this life to live a life in which we cultivate a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And then as we do that, we dare to trust him as he leads. Developing a relationship with him isn't just about getting to know more things about him. 
but getting to know him better. Now, for me, I don't know how it works for you. For me, there's a couple things involved in that. One is being in his word, being in the Bible, reading the Bible regularly. That's one of the places I not only learn about him, but I learn who he is. And I get to talk to him about what I read in these letters to me in his word through prayer. So I get to talk back to him about the things I'm reading about in the Bible, whether it's Psalm 90 or some other place. I read the word and I understand what he's saying to me, or in some cases I don't exactly understand. And so I go back to him in prayer and we talk about it together. I say we talk about it together because I think the third element for me in developing this relationship is being aware of and sensitive to his Holy Spirit prompting me. So I'm in his word, I'm reading his word, I'm trying to figure out exactly not only what it means, but what it says to me and how I'm to live my life, to what kinds of decisions I need to make based on what I read. So I talk with him about it in prayer. Lord, help me here, show me the way. I, I, first of all, give me a resolve to follow you. I think I understand exactly what this passage means. I just need the courage and determination to live it out. And then to be aware of the Spirit's prompting in my life. So let's say, for example, I read in his word that uh, um, he wants me to tell others about his grace and his goodness to me. And so I pray about that, and I tell him, Lord, you know that that's, I'm not comfortable with that exactly. I'm not, I'm not good at just going up to people and beginning spiritual conversations. So, Lord, you need to help me with that and, and um, give me a freedom to step outside of what I'm comfortable with and to do that. And so I enter into the day, and in the course of my day, I meet somebody, and I sense the Spirit kind of prompting my spirit and saying, how about this fellow? Why don't you talk to him? And then, and this, I love what the Lord does because this has happened to me a couple times where I'm still reluctant to begin a spiritual conversation with him. And uh, then the Spirit prompts me, say something, say something, and I don't. And then the, then the other person says, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I say, well, um, I'm a pastor of a church. Really? And so sometimes if I don't obey the Spirit's prompting, he kind of pushes it a little bit and makes the conversation develop. Or whatever it is, maybe you're reading in Ephesians and one of you guys are really impressed with what Paul says about how we're to be treating our wives. And you realize that you've been kind of neglecting her a little bit and you really haven't been spending time with her as you should. Um, and uh, you talk to the Lord a little bit about that and you kind of apologize to him for not being as involved in the life of your family as you should. And then you kind of go out into the day, and then all of a sudden the Spirit prompts you. and Hey, uh, you, you, an appointment cancels, and now you've got an extra hour. And the Spirit says, why don't you call your wife and ask her out to lunch? And, and, and so th those things happen. Oh, by the way, speaking about that, this is completely off this issue, but uh, for you guys who were up at the retreat, I think I want you to know this week, I took my wife out for dinner at Cheesecake Factory. Now, you'll know what that means, okay? So she loved it. Thank you very much. Okay. If you don't understand, I'll explain it to you later. But anyway, yeah, oh, man, we, we, we ate too much, too, Frank. It was just... At the end, they come up and say, so do you still have enough room for cheesecake? And we didn't, but we, we got two pieces and took it home anyway. Got it. It was all good. So that's how the Spirit works, I think. He prompts us. If we're in the Word and in prayer, the Spirit is faithful to prompt us. 
And through that, we realize as, uh, see, can I go back here? Yeah, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Because Moses said the way life looks normally is life is short, life is tough, sin is a problem. I have a reason to fear God. But as I get into his word, as I pray, as I sense the Spirit's prompting, my relationship with him now is growing, and I'm being encouraged, and I'm being strengthened. And my relationship is no longer one of fear, but of love and of joy and of gladness. All that happens because I'm changing now from the inside out. When we do obey him and dare to trust him, we are no longer operating out of fear. It's not, I better talk to that person about spiritual things or God will punish me. I better take good care of my wife or God will make bad things happen to me. That's not my reason. It's because I really trust him. I'm getting to know him and what his will is for me, and I want to obey him because I trust him, and he's prompting me to do what is best for me, and I will find satisfaction, joy, and gladness if I do that. He then says something else, which I think kind of flows out of this. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many days as we have seen trouble. So life is short and tough, but give us our share of joy as we go. And may your deeds be shown to your servants and splendor to their children. And Moses just reminds me at this point that I need to make time for people. Not only develop my relationship with Jesus Christ, but make time for people. And that's really important. In some cases, it's that fellow that I just met that needs to hear my testimony and need to know about God's grace or my wife or my children or my grandkids or other people. They need to be part of the process. God is working on me and growing me from the inside out. The problem with resolutions, they're all about external things. They're all about changing behavior. True change happens from the inside out. And God's at work doing that in me. And as he does, people are part of that. Spend time with people, getting to know people. One of the things neat about 2016, uh, as we've been together with you, uh, and uh, he was, Mike, uh, Pastor Mike was talking about people who are kind of new. I've only been here about six months now. And, and I, I think I know about half of you. I mean, well enough to talk with you about something. I know a little bit about your life or what's going on. So my goal for 2017 is to get to know the other half that well. Now, here's the problem, though. Sometimes if, if we're obeying him, he blesses. And if he continues to send new people in, that's just more people I got to get to know. So pray for me, because in 2016, I gotta, 2017, I got to learn the other half of you that's already here, in addition to any new people that come in. So I'm just. But that's exciting, because walking with him means that we make time for people. We are in relationship with him, and that's growing. And we're also getting to know people, and we're growing together. He says, may your deeds be shown to your servants. I think one of the things we'll find as we get involved in people, because this is not just, I want to get beyond, how do you think the Eagles are going to do today against the Cowboys? I mean, I want to get beyond that. I mean, that's, those things are fun to talk about. I want to get beyond that. I want to find out about you, and you want to find out about me. What's the Lord doing in our lives? So that as things are happening, we can rejoice in what the Lord is actually doing in each other's lives whether it's shoulder repairs or hip repairs or, or whatever else is going on. Weddings, I know we got weddings this week, right? So all the things that are going on, I, that's, that's cool too. 
But I also want to know, what's the Lord doing in your life? How's he moving? How's he changing you from the inside out? And I want to tell you how he's changing me so that we can be glad together and hope that the children find out, too, what's going on with us. Last, year we, last week, we got a little a bit of what's going on in their lives in uh, Compass Kids. But we want them to see that we're excited about our faith, too. They come in kind of all giggly and all. They shouldn't see us just somber. That's what it means. Okay, kids, you're in the main service now. No fun here. Don't have any fun. <laughs> we want them to see that we enjoy this. That's why it was cool when uh, Angela had us, got us up and clapping and doing all the hand signs and all, because then the kids see that we're excited about it too. One more thing. May the favor of our Lord rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us, Lord. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And this, I think, is really cool. Success, and I put it in quotes because I don't know how you want to define this, but um, success is possible. Our lives can have impact. I think that's one of the things we all want, don't we? We want to know that at the end, however short our lives are, that at the end we can look back and realize that our life made impact. Sometimes it takes a long time to find out. But that is possible. And so we're not just spending days. We still had to, sometimes we ask people, how did you spend your day? Okay, here's an, a new rule. Around here, when we talk about this, we say, we ask each other, how did you invest your day? How's that? Can I do that? Yeah. Okay, I have to check with Pastor Mike before I actually make an announcement like that. But <laughs> wouldn't it be cooler to say, instead of, how did you spend your day? How did you invest your day? Because that's what God's saying. He wants to establish the work of our hands, and he sees it as an investment in kingdom work as he uses us, whatever he calls us to do. So I had a thought. Go out and start something you can't finish. Now, I know in some cases that's not good. I have a lot of these things going on, like around the house. <laughs> there are jobs I started but still haven't finished. Anybody else have that problem? Yeah, okay. See, that's not, I don't want to encourage that. But when we invest our lives, we start something a lot of times that we can't finish. Um, a lot of you are aware that there's a couple congregations in our area that are thinking about getting together and joining together. And I hope that I don't see the end of what God does through them. I, I hope that we just get something started that keeps going and going and going beyond us. I, I want to be part of things that I don't get to finish. I want to see the Lord at work. Some of you met a friend of ours back at Thanksgiving time, at the Thanksgiving banquet. A young friend of ours came, and she actually shared her testimony. She was visiting with us because something happened in her family, and she just came to talk with us about it. We hadn't seen Amy in a long time. Our first contact with Amy was when she was a teenager. She was probably 11 or 12 years old the first time we had contact with, with Amy. And now she comes back to us as a woman in her early 40s and says, says to us, what a big impact we had in her life. And the fact that she's still following the Lord today, we had something to do with that. I think, wow, that is so cool. Thank you, Lord, for bringing her back into our life, just so I could be reminded that sometimes it may take 30 years, but God works. Well, if I touch somebody's life today, and it takes 30 years for it to manifest itself, I won't see it. But I'll be praising the Lord from heaven that he continues to establish the work of our hands. So go get started working on something. In fact, you can actually get started on this right now. If you still have your Connect cards, 
The last one is, I want to serve somewhere in the church and make a difference in 2017. That's the last thing you can check off. Well, let's, let's all check that off, right? Is there anybody who shouldn't be checking that off? We want to make an impact. We want God to use us in the way that we use our time and our talents and our treasures to really make a difference and start something that we can't finish, but that he will carry on because he can establish the work of our hands. So admittedly, life is short. It's tough for the time that we're here. And sometimes sin gets us into trouble and slows us down. But he said, here's a strategy for living. Make sure that you understand um, what you're going to do with today and tomorrow. Every day counts. Every day matters. Let's live it with purpose. Let's live it with God in mind. Begin to nurture or continue to nurture that relationship you have with Jesus Christ. Maybe it'll be something you do privately. Maybe it'll be for the guys joining one of the men's studies, and you can study along with others and grow along with others. But be growing in Christ. Make time for the people that he's put in your life. Make time for them. And ask God to establish the work of your hands because you want to invest your life for God and his work. All right? Hey, just uh, in case I didn't say it the way it's on here, let me just kind of go through the, the little half sheet because sometimes I go off and don't actually say what I was supposed to say. God's in control in 2017. Life is short. My sin is serious, so be careful. And life is tough. So learn to live with wisdom, give attention to your spiritual life, make time for people, and invest your life for God. And if, if we do that, and, and I think it's not only an individual project, it's a group project. One of the songs talked about us being family. That's kind of cool. From all different generations, we're part of a family that is putting these strategies into effect as we serve him here together in this place. Well, 2017 still lies ahead. Uh, I just found out that we actually had an extra second last year. Did you know that? They have to correct clocks or something because the uh, earth doesn't move exactly the way our calendar does. So they gave us an extra second last year. I don't know if we get one. I think we're a second short in 2017. I don't think we change it again until 2018. So you've really got to make use of every minute because <laughs> we have a second less coming year. Coming year. But, but let's do it and let's live for him and for his glory as a church. Hey, let me pray for you. Lord, in this year, um, as we count time, you're able to work in our lives. Thank you for what you've done in 2016. There were some hard times. There were some people who passed into glory, some of them really young, and that made things hard. We give those things to you and ask you to mend and heal hearts as we move ahead into 2017. And realizing that because we live in a fallen world, life is short and tough, but we thank you for every day and pray that we may live every day for your glory. Prompt us by your spirit to follow you in your way, not because we're afraid not to, but because we've learned that you love us and you don't make mistakes and we trust you to move us ahead. Lord, through all the doors that you will take us, all the adventures that you will lead us in this year, may we find joy and gladness and be satisfied with your love. And may we make an impact in the lives of others for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.